Hello and welcome to CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Chris Satig with Field CTO with Stratascale. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Amanda Eastman, former Director of Data Strategy and Transformation at General Motors. Good morning, Amanda. Hey, Chris. How you doing? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, doing great. Uh, we have some really good uh, topics to talk about today. So um, if you don't mind, I would love to, you know, jump right into those because I'm interested to hear what your, you know, what your responses will be to some of these questions that we've uh, we've come up with. Absolutely. Let's do it. How have you changed your strategy about retaining and cultivating talent after the pandemic? I know, you know, coming from healthcare, this was a big deal. We lost a lot of we lost a lot of our talent over time. So how do you manage that? Sure. So we actually at General Motors completely revamped our talent strategy. It did happen to be amid the pandemic, but it was not really because of the pandemic. What we did as a company is we had set some pretty, um, you know, we were determined to improve our diversity statistics. And frankly, we just were not doing very well in that space. And so we knew we had to really revamp our talent strategy to become more diverse. The other area that we were combating is that, frankly, a lot of our big tech competitors, some of which we were partners with, um, but they were just really aggressively coming after our talent. And frankly, they were able to offer compensation packages that we just weren't able to keep up with. So we, those were sort of the two big drivers of why we looked at our, our talent strategy. So on the retention side, we found, first and foremost, Remote and hybrid were a must. That was a non-starter if we if we didn't offer that as, as part of our working culture. And then we did take a heavy look at our compensation programs. Now, working for a company like GM, who is great and the best in the world at having HR structures for you know, automotive engineers, they were not great at having HR and comp structures for data engineers or data scientists. We were introducing a completely new type of talent into the company. And so we were really trying to make it blend. So we had to do a lot of work with our HR partners to revamp that. Now, it also was not practical to say, let's completely reset all titles and, and all compensation structures for this one area. I mean, we're a fraction of what the employee base of that company is. So we had to be practical about it, but we were able to introduce some new compensation programs that allowed us to you know, kind of meet in the middle on that and, and be attractive to some of the talent, but also um, you know, our, our board and our HR teams were comfortable with. And I and the other thing that we did is we did a, a heavy review on compensation in general and for base salaries and total comp of our entire employee base. Um, what ha what we were finding is, you know, you you pay a lot of attention to the folks coming in, and we're constantly benchmarking, hey, where are we? But it's really important to look at the team that's currently in in place and making sure that we had equity internally as well, because otherwise we were unintentionally motivating people to move to other companies. And so we wanted to be careful of that and make sure that, you know, we had equity there. On the cultivate side, oh, we're going to ask. Uh, no, actually, I was just going to comment on that. Isn't that, And that's one of the areas that um, I had made that mistake in the past where you look at your recruiting candidates, but you're not really looking at your your internal employees. And that does get forgotten. And, I, and I've been, you know, I've had that as a consequence of that behavior or that overlook to where you did lose those employees. So it's. You know, that is great that, that you were you were mentioning that because it, it does it is a problem that does get overlooked pretty, pretty often. Yeah. And I will say, especially if for some companies, if you're not 
as mature in the technology space as you want to be or think you need to be. Unfortunately, sometimes that means you have a heavier dependent on what I call the brains, right? The at literal people that are there keeping your shop together. And so if that is your situation, it becomes even more important to do those compensation reviews because you don't want to put them at risk and, and put your whole program at risk. So on the cultivate side, so then we also had to take a look at, okay, so retaining people, but then once they're here, how do we keep them? What are we doing with this culture? So one was, as I mentioned, diversity was really important. And I think especially as we're thinking about, you know, generative AI and all of these new tools and trying to, you know, minimize bias and things like that. Again, our diversity pitch really just stood the ground and it was important for us to look at that. So we started looking as a leadership team monthly at our dashboards and saying, how are we doing? What specifically are we doing to not only bring the talent in, but to develop them? Are we promoting them? What type of investment are we making um, in our talent? So monitoring pipelines was important. We also had to take a look at work that needed to be decommissioned, because as we all know, there is usually no shortage of demand for the data and analytics talent at a company, but you can't do everything. And we certainly had some scenarios where, you know, we were maintaining dashboards and reports and things that just were not as value add as what they needed to be. And so that meant some difficult conversations with our internal customers, but we had them. Because we had to just decommission the work so that people could move on to some more progressive and, and just more exciting work for them. And they felt a big relief once we had a decommission plan. And then the third thing that we did is we created some new talent programs. So one, not, not super inventive, but we had an early career program where, you know, we were recruiting for bachelor's and master's level uh, and PhD level candidates. So that those fresh folks coming into GM. Um, one of the, the keys to success with that was we had to do a, a fairly big PR push because we were not known as some of our, like some of our competitors were about, you know, as being a tech company. And so we found that PR campaigns really helped just get us attention for people even being interested. And we had some, some great results there. The other thing that we did, uh, you know, again, just kind of keeping our pulse on talent is we discovered that there was a real pain point for folks that when what we call their mid-career, so think five to 15 or 20 years, that midpoint, we weren't doing investment in them and they didn't feel like they had career opportunities. They didn't know, hey, where do I go? What do I do? So we created a new mid-career program that was essentially a cohort. And anybody who participated, we asked for them for an additional 20% of time. So you still do your day job, you still perform everything there. And so this is above and beyond, similar to like if you were going back to grad school or doing something like that, you join, join this cohort and we would do specific trainings for them. We would do projects with them. We'd have networking events with them and create a little cohort that we actually pulled from a variety of departments, but also were able to pull multiple regions globally in, which also gave the teams great perspective that, hey, guess what? North America isn't our only business or the US isn't our only business. Gave them a lot more transparency and really understanding what does GM care about holistically and how are we implementing 
you know, these programs holistically to really help them develop their critical thinking skills. And then they were able to really start looking at their careers more like the jungle gym concept than the, la- than the ladder concept, because they felt like, oh, I know more people. I know more areas where they're using data and analytics. And managers across the company were also very interested in it because they wanted to know, hey, what are you bringing back to our team? Who else is out there? So we found some really great benefits and and it didn't cost us anything to implement it. Um, so that program was really successful. But, uh, you know, in general, remote and hybrid was a must. Compensation reviews, the decommission plans, and then we just had to get creative with how we were training and cultivating our talent. And, and you know, that's great to hear you say that that program actually sounds amazing because a lot of times, as you've seen in the past, they get stuck in the ladder. So you have the career ladders. And you give them X, Y, and Z things that the, that the employee needs to do to move to the next rung in the ladder, but ultimately they don't get moved to that rung in the ladder. But it sounds like you flipped that, um, and you basically said, not only do we want you to, you know, grow as an employee, we want you to be able to look outside of that and look into other areas that you know may be of better interest. And you're actually, I, I do find that that would probably definitely shoot employee engagement up significantly yeah. as consequence of that of that type of a program. So that's very interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. So last, and I know you touched on it a little bit. Uh, last question that I, that I really had around the, the, the talent acquisition is, uh, is around eliminating some of the traditional. So you've seen some of the larger um, organizations across the country, across the, across the globe, starting to eliminate some of those things where people have been working in industry for 10, 20, 30 years, um, but they're being held out of certain positions because they may not have uh, the traditional requirements, like a degree. How did you deal with the, those type of situations? Yeah, so I'll be honest with you. Um, it, you know, we're again, we're not as progressive in in this space as where I would like to be. I've worked both in financial services and then, of course, you know, automotive manufacturing, and they have different levels of importance. I would say that they put on higher education and certifications and that sort of thing. Um, so it's most of the the HR teams that I've worked with aren't quite ready to be that progressive, although they're they're ready to sit at the table and, and they're entertaining the conversation, which is great, which is where, you know, I do I do see this evolving. I think that we are going to start to get a little more relaxed on it. I also think higher education itself needs to, um, you know, take a look at what the how they're training and what it means to get that degree or certification. Um, obviously, technical certifications, those are those are a little more cut and dry on whether or not you know something. But you know, when you think about especially leadership roles and things like that, you know, it's not just about do you know a technology or it's it's more about what is your decision making ability and how have you learned to problem solve and what it, what kind of communication do you have? How do you motivate a team? We all know talent management is a is an important part of most of our strategies when it comes to data and analytics. So, you know, how do you really build those muscles? Um, so unfortunately, I haven't seen a ton of progression in this space personally. I know some of the tech companies and things are really starting to help, I think, push a new way of looking at some of those qualifications, which which I welcome and I think is great. And I think, you know, I think we'll get there. I just haven't seen a ton of ton of progress yet in my personal experience. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to bring up that one point around when you're you when you move more into leadership, it does become more of a decision making strategy discussion, financial discussion. And there's your technical chops fall to the side um, to, yeah. to move into that area. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's very it's very nice to hear you you know feel the same way around that. So those are the biggest questions that I have for today. And um, 
you know, those are great answers. I, I truly do appreciate your time. Um, so yeah, before I, we actually, Chris, so before we disconnect there, there's one more example I, I just wanted to share with oh, you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about metrics and like, how do you, how do you in communication and how do I inform people about, about what's happening? Um, and so lots of different ways that we've, we've played with communication, of course, especially with technology being what it is now, you know, you can do podcasts, you can do all different kinds of things. One example from relatively earlier in my career, and I was trying to get data governance launched. And again, it's for most of us, it's the dreaded function to try to get launched. But it's an example of where getting creative with how you're celebrating wins and successes um, can pay off. So we were trying to build a, a data dictionary, essentially a set of data standards. And it wasn't purely just, you know, document the metadata or anything. It was, you know, validate the data, get approval, cross-functional reviews. It was kind of elaborate. And we had a target of about 1,200 data standards that we were going for. And it was taking forever. And I could tell we were losing momentum. So we finally got to 50. And, you know, in a target of 1,200, that wasn't very much. But I said, we need to do something. So I went to a party store and I bought a bunch of 50th birthday balloons and I brought them in and I gave every one of our data steward and person who was engaged in our process a balloon and just said, we did it. We finally hit 50. We're celebrating 50. Thank you for your efforts. You know, of course, they kind of laughed and chuckled and, and said, yeah, thanks for the balloon. But the other benefit that it had was people started stopping by their desk and saying, happy birthday. I had no idea you were 50. And they'd say, well, I'm not 50, but let me tell you about this data program that we're working on. So, you know, so that's just an example of ways to get creative with recognition and, and helping people, you know, move through some of those really painful changes sometimes that can be happening. So I just say, don't hesitate to get creative. Sometimes you have to get a little cheesy, but however you can get your message out about your programs, you know, we're, we tend to be data and technical people. We're not marketing people. So just get creative, be goofy with it a bit and, and it can have some big payoff. So that's, that's great. As, and there was a, a, pro, a prior company that I worked for and they had a big giant purple gorilla that held a, held a, a thing of candy and whichever team had, had that, you know, got that recognition for that month. They, this giant, you could see this thing from all over the office. So people, especially our new people or people that were visiting would come and ask, what is this? Why is it here? And they got to talk about, you know, how that happened. And it was a great, it was a, it was actually a great recognition um, tactic. And, and I, I see you, you've done the same thing. So it, I, I'm, I've seen that work in person. Yeah, it's absolutely. Great. The more people can get creative, the better. And, you know, working in this community, we have some really just ingenious, creative people. I know. Uh, so yeah, unleash that and, and help your messages of your programs get out there. And yeah, it's just going to help you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, it's been it's been really great talking with you today. If I can ever be of any other assistance or, or any other, you know, able to answer any other questions or talk, bounce things off of each other, I would definitely love to. Um, but if, if you're OK, we'll wrap it up for today. And, and again, I thank you for joining today. And and for those listening, uh, please visit cdomagazine.tech for additional interviews. Thanks, Chris.